in this episode of the Ben Greenfield Life Show. Hot tub versus cold pool for recovery. Shocking news on thyroid misdiagnoses, bad sleep mitigation, the latest science on creatine, and much more. Faith, family, fitness, health, performance, nutrition, longevity, ancestral living, biohacking, and a whole lot more. Welcome to the show. Let's talk about magnesium. So magnesium is an essential mineral, responsible for 300 vital functions in your body, yet 60% of us are deficient. Now, I started working with this company to actually get you magnesium in a very tasty manner. There are these wellness ingestibles from a company called Higher Dose, and I helped them develop three different products, detox drops, hydration powder, and chill chews. They're all designed to pair with the Higher Dose infrared red light and PEMF devices, like their sauna blanket and their infrared face mask and their mat. Like you take this stuff, you pair it with their products and you enhance the detox, enhance the effects. Like you can add the detox drops to your water before workout or a sauna session, bunch of hyper clean ingredients, binds to toxins, nice minty flavor. I love that one. I had it in my coffee this morning, actually. Then they have the hydration powder. That's an electrolyte rich formula. It's got magnesium, a potent blend of B vitamins, a bunch of other goodies in there specifically to support a sauna session. So you just shoot this stuff back before you go in the sauna. Then they have chill chews. These are magnesium gummies. You eat them at night. They help to balance your body and relax your mind. They're super good. They're low sugar. I'll just grab a handful of them. I don't know how many I'm supposed to eat. The bottle probably says, but I just grab a handful of them and go to bed and it's amazing and they taste really good. So anyways, this company, Higher Dose, is building some great stuff and I've consulted with them and helped them out with their menu, so to speak. So this stuff is huge thumbs up for me because I helped help them with it. So you go to higherdose.com slash Ben to get 15% off of any of their stuff today, higherdose.com slash Ben, or you can just use promo code Ben and that will get you 15% off. Not to gross you out, but if you don't want to accidentally take a laxative or do an enema and have what could potentially be the worst day of your life, then listen to this. If you're currently taking a magnesium supplement, the chances are you're flushing it down the toilet. And I mean that literally because the most common type of magnesium is actually a laxative. So if you take it, you're literally pooping and peeing it out, which is kind of weird because 80% of the folks who are magnesium deficient could actually be making their deficiency worse by taking magnesium. I even heard one medical practitioner refer to what happens when you take the wrong magnesium product as constaria, kind of this weird combination of constipation and diarrhea. And a magnesium deficiency is, I mean, it's a big deal. Your metabolism suffers. You can't lose weight. Your blood pressure goes up. And the worst part is your sleep suffers tremendously. You can also get constipated. So the solution is to not use these magnesium supplements that just drain you and drain your intestines and to instead use magnesium that's actually well absorbed. This stuff that I use is called magnesium breakthrough. It's seven different forms of magnesium, unique forms your body can actually absorb and what they're going to do is this month, the company that makes it by optimizers, they're going to include free bottles of their full line of digestive health products on select orders. What supplies last? So you get free products to try to support your digestive system. And then they also have the magnesium breakthrough, which further helps your digestive system. And it's a pretty good deal, if you ask me. So the offer is available at magbreakthrough.com slash Ben. That's M-A-G-breakthrough.com slash Ben. Same magnesium I've been using. I love it. Uh, code Ben10 gets you 10% off of any order. No more constipation. No more diarrhea. No more poor sleep. Because uh, magnesium is super duper helpful to address 
all those things, and many, many others. So enjoy megbreakthrough.com slash Ben. Enter code Ben10. Jay, what's shaking, baby? Hey, man, dude. It's uh, The weather is starting to get like phenomenal. The weather is starting. Well, there must be absolutely nothing going on whatsoever useful or interesting in your life if your go-to is the weather. No, no, you got you got to listen to this. No, okay. no, no, no. Uh-huh. It, it actually relates to everything, Ben. So, okay. all right, one of the things, and this is it's going to be super random, but it's amazing. So, one of the things that I did this morning, I was running outside, and when I was running outside, the the sky was like super blue, super clear. It felt like a fall morning, like in the for us right now, you know, again September, still a little bit hot in South Carolina, like whatever, sixty two degrees, but that's fall for us. Okay. So I was running, blue skies, and then I look up over my left shoulder, and I was like, "What is that? One single cloud?" And so I look over and it was one cloud and dude, it was the weirdest looking thing. It was it, the cloud looked like it was morphing and no, I was, I was not on psychedelics or mushrooms. Basically the cloud was morphing. And then I looked away from it because I was just in my own head, looked back up in the sky and there it was again. And I was like, this is just an oddity. But again, this was all, it relates back to weather. It relates back to fitness, like everything It all, it all should make sense 100% to you, Ben, and to the listeners, because it's a completely linear story, but I just had to share it with you. That's about the longest comment on the weather that I think I've had in quite some time. And I Boom. don't know if I'll Awarded. get those two minutes of my life back, but that it's it's interesting and might have something to do with this oncoming. Apparently, uh, September 24th is right around the corner. There's supposed to be some big psychic, crazy, worldwide, great reset event that will happen on that day. On I, the 24th? Yeah, well, I don't who, know anything who about predicted it. I'm, that one? I'm going to be deep in the woods hunting elk. Uh, but nice. if I see like fighter jets or black helicopters or anything flying overhead, I'll know. Well, your your weather sounds exciting. My my morning is exciting and threatening to be even more exciting. I'm hyper caffeinated today, Jay. As you know, people send me all sorts of crazy things to try. So my friend Mark Bell sent me his fasting gum, which is basically gum that's made of caffeine. And there's some other things in there, I think, like apigenin and rutin and like some uh, some appetite suppressants. And it tastes pretty good. And again, it's just gum with like 25 milligrams of caffeine. Some other stuff just showed up at my doorstep this morning before we started to record. It says, I'm, I'm going to read the can. I'd, I've never had this stuff before. It says, Defiant Nitro-Infused Cold Brew with Functional Mushrooms. And it's like cold brew coffee, which kind of kicks one's ass anyways, even if they're they're tolerant to caffeine. It so is. A, yeah, so it says, Roasted Craft Coffee, Lion's Mane, Chaga, and Cordyceps, filtered and remineralized perishable keep refrigerated well it ain't gonna perish because i'm about to suck this stuff down while we're recording if i start to turn into a motor mouth talking a million miles an hour jay it's because <laughs> i got 25 milligrams of caffeine in my mouth an extra 25 milligram caffeinated piece of gum in my back pocket and then i don't even know how much caffeine is in a cold brew it's got to be at least 200 milligrams it's a lot huh? yeah it's a lot but it's like concentrated yeah, I either predict you're going to either, A, get the jitters, or two, you're going to be chased by a running cloud because you're going to start having psychosis. That could happen. You know, the the nitro, that's like some of the highest caffeine-containing 
it's stronger than coffee is what I'm trying to say. Apparently, they use a ton of coffee grounds to make it. And so you get a really high caffeine content. But this process of, of using nitrogen gas to kind of like bubble it up, almost like concentrates the caffeine even more. So that, that's why if you drink a cold brew versus if you grab like a, a nitro cold brew, you tend to get way more caffeine. So I'm at the tippy top of the caffeine. I suppose I probably could buy some caffeine powder on Amazon or something like that. Yeah, you need some L-theanine or something to offset it, man. Because if I had that much, I'd be so jittery. I, I just respond pretty heavy to caffeine. I don't need any L-theanine. I just, you talk, I just need you you talking about clouds. I'll be good. Um, <laughs> That's right. Keep you dialed in. All right. Well, I'll, I'll uh, well <laughs> this is this is the couple times a month where we do a, a giant Q&A episode. We're going to reply to some questions from our fantastic Twitter audience. Uh, the show notes for everything we talk about are going to be at bengreenfieldlife.com slash 448. If you're on Twitter with us live, and uh, you can learn how to do that if you go to twitter.com slash bengreenfield, we'll bring you up on stage and you can you can ask a question if you'd like as we go along here. So let's uh, let's jump into the news flashes, shall we, Jay? Let's go, man. All right. So uh, let, let's start here. I was in the hot tub this morning, actually. I've been, you know, as the weather starts to dip, I tend to be more prone after my garage workouts to hop into the hot tub versus the, the chilly, chilly, willy cold pool. And, you know, I, I've, I've kind of pondered before, well, gosh, you know, could, could I get, since it's cold or since it's since water immersion, right, like providing pressure against the skin, since there's some amount of blood flow involved, like theoretically, could I be actually getting some benefits from hot water immersion similar to what I get from cold water immersion when it comes to like, um, you know, fatigue or, or recovery, uh, you know, especially without all the shivers. Obviously, the cold is good if you want to burn extra calories or, or shut down inflammation or something of the like. But it seems as though hot water could help out a little bit also, especially uh, for something like, let's say, blood flow and, and removal of some of the metabolites that would normally make you sore. There was a study that came out about this. And, and in the past, some stu studies have gone back and forth between like hot water immersion versus cold water immersion. And in the studies that have happened up to this point, it does appear that that alternating cold water and hot water called contrast water, like that's amazing for recovery. I have one workout that I'll do called a workout. It's like a recovery day workout where I'll go like five minutes cold pool, five minutes uh, hot tub, four cold pool, four hot tub, three, three, two, two, one, one. And man, it's like one of the best ways to manage soreness, this idea of contrast water therapy. But this latest study wasn't looking at contrast. It was just looking at, all right, what happens if you sit in the cold versus what happens if you sit in the heat? And what they used to to measure the recovery effects was something called tensiomyography, which detects like a like muscle skeletal like it's contractile properties, like how fast your muscles contract and also your your muscle stiffness. With the idea being that if you could somehow get a higher score on on this so called a TMG or tensiomyography, it would indicate the better recovery, like the muscles bouncing back a little bit faster, and uh, you know you're going to be able to get back to training more quickly. What they found, long story short, was that the hot water immersion seemed to be just as effective as the cold water immersion at promoting muscle recovery. Now, granted, again, they didn't look at some of the other things that cold might do, like cause extra fat burning or improve blood glucose response the rest of the day or a lot of these other kind of ancillary benefits of cold that we know about. But it turns out that uh, if you don't have access to a cold pool and you need some kind of recovery session, the hot water can be a pretty good option. Like sitting in a hot tub appears to be, you know, despite probably pretty bad for 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 the balls and fertility, as we covered, I think, in the last Q&A, a pretty decent option for recovery. But it's still not as good as going back and forth from the hot to the cold. 
So I thought that was kind of kind of interesting to know about. Did they see what degree temperature was considered there? They didn't. Uh, I would imagine you know the average hot tub is like what 102 to 104 degrees Fahrenheit, right around in there. Right, so that's about right there. Yeah, Maybe lower than 102, and you just don't feel it. You know, it's kind of like you know, like I don't know, drinking lukewarm coffee. You know, it's just you want your coffee cold, you want it hot. Well, at the gym I go to, we have both the option of a hot tub or like a Swedish sauna. I always opt for the Swedish sauna, but I, I wonder if there's any, I mean, I guess that they would have to do a study comparing those two. They've probably done a study comparing those two. I suspect that uh, the, the hot water is going to be better because you get what's called the hydrostatic pressure, of the water against the skin, which helps you to drain oh, a lot of those metabolites. See, recovery is so multifactorial. There are so many metabolic factors. You get, you get hydrogen ions that build up in the muscle tissue. You get uh, inorganic phosphate. You get reactive oxygen species. You have the buildup of these heat shock proteins, which, which you know a lot of people think are are all great, but the fact is they do accumulate and, and they can contribute to to muscle fatigue. There's even one that that's built up that they've looked into recently called ORM or osomucoid. And that, that's another thing that the, like a metabolic factor that builds up in muscle tissue as it, as it gets tired, it's a, it's a protein it's synthesized in your liver. And so when you, when you have elevated liver enzymes, this kind of correlates to that. And what it does is it basically will build up as a way to fight off fatigue, but that along with heat shock protein are like reactants to fatigue. So you have, you know, calcium, hydrogen ions, lactate, inorganic phosphate, you know, these hosts of things that build up. And a lot of people are under the impression that it's just like the hydrogen ions kicked off from lactate that make you sore. And other people think it's just like the slight muscle tearing or the influx of calcium that makes you sore. But there's a lot of factors. And this dictates that, you know, if, if you engage in an activity that just basically drains the muscles more quickly... It's enormously, enormously helpful, you know, and, th- and that could be like, gosh, like a vibration platform. It can be inversion therapy. It can be hot water. It can be hot, cold contrast therapy. It can be like those fancy recovery boots. So there's a lot of options, but kind of in the same way that I, uh, for, for the athletes and the clients who I work with, I have what, what I call the parasympathetic menu workout. Where's a day and I just give them a whole menu. You can do cold, you can do hot, you can do massage, you can do foam roller, you can do, you know, red light therapy, pulsed electromagnetic field therapy. Like you, you take your pick, but on this day, you choose two to three of those activities. And of course, as anyone knows, if you have an easy day and you do stuff that makes blood flow on that easy day, even a walk, you're just recovered so much faster. And it turns out that, that now we know because, because science, that hot tub would fit into the mix there. Nice. Huh. Well, interesting. I might have to just mix it up a little bit with the hot tub. No one ever complains about getting in a hot tub, like getting into cold water. Like it kind of just initially sucks I mean, you feel amazing afterwards, but there's like that trepidation for a lot of people, like getting into a cold plunge. No one ever complains about getting into a hot tub. There, there's some people who are kind of like, <laughs> it's like when you pour the bath in the, you know, the bathtub water too hot. It takes a little while. And then, fellas, you know what I'm saying? Like when you finally start to teabag into it and you thought it was a perfect temperature and then once the balls hit <laughs> it, you're like, ah, oh, I should have waited. Oh, so Big babies. Yeah. Yeah. But you are right. Cold is more difficult. Here's another interesting one. Uh, bad sleep. 
I obviously am going to have a horrific night of sleep tonight, considering it's not even noon yet, and I probably got 500 milligrams of caffeine in my system. And the half life, what's what's the half life? It's it's. I mean, even Down if you're four. a fast caffeine metabolizer, it's like I think like six or eight hours. So, six hours, yeah, yeah, six hours. I was like, it's not too bad. That'll be 4 p.m. when it when it wears off. But anyways, uh, counteracting the negative effects of bad sleep or something that we've we've talked about a lot before about how uh, there are certain things like um, taking NAD, which helps to initiate the same cell repair processes that were supposed to occur when you were having a good night of sleep uh, and supplement with NAD seems to stave off some of the effects of sleep deprivation. The same could be said for uh, creatine. Uh, creatine is another one. The same could be said for like a micro-napping strategy where you're taking small, brief naps throughout the day on a sleep-deprived day or very brief bouts of high-intensity exercise, like five to 10 minutes of high-intensity exercise. Uh, you could get all the way up to like a, a smart drug like uh, modafinil, aka uh, ProVigil, which, you know, off-label anti-narcoleptic drug, which is, you know, amazing if you have multiple days where you're just kind of fighting lack of sleep, or you just got to push through a big work bout or something like that. And you, you still pay a little little bit of a, a biological debt afterwards from all the fatigue that accumulates when you're taking a very strong smart drug like that. Uh, but this latest study actually looked at, at kind of more of the chronic effects of sleep deprivation and its associated its association with mortality, right? Like poor sleep, we know, and especially accumulated poor sleep can cause things like heart disease and stroke and cancer. And so this was a, a large study in which they they basically studied it was like 380,000 plus people they they analyzed them over 11 years and what they found was that the people who slept poorly but still were able to achieve the equivalent of about 75 minutes of running or 150 minutes of walking per week were actually able to stave off a lot of the the detrimental effects of sleep deprivation which means that that and I'm not saying this is an excuse to not sleep. What I am saying is that if you're somebody who's just like, you know, you're, you're driven, you have a, a hard time sleeping. You know, there's even the saying that a lot of the, the most impactful people from history were tired a lot because they just they got up early and they stayed up late and they burnt the candle both ends. That's how they lived their lives. And while I'm not a Navy SEAL, I'm going to sleep and I'm dead type of guy, or at least I don't have that mentality. It's nice to know that if you're aerobically fit, if you're cardiovascularly fit, you can eliminate a lot of the deleterious associations of poor sleep with mortality. And then when you know some of these other tricks, like take a little NAD, take a little caffeine, keep some modafinil around for the real difficult days, you know, make sure you get little bouts of high intensity exercise in and then teach yourself to micro nap or use a lot of these apps like, uh, like new calm or the brain tap, or actually one of my favorites I've been playing around with lately is a meditation app called sync tuition, S Y N C tuition. It's like it plays a little journey story in your head. And in my opinion, it's one of the coolest ways to meditate. If you haven't yet checked out that app, you should. Uh, but it turns out, like, be aerobically fit. And that could really help you, especially if, if you know you're somebody who's just not sleeping as much as you absolutely should. Yeah, I love it. I wonder if there's an inverted U shape curve here. If it's like there's a sweet spot there and then too much of it will start to kind of throw you in the other direction. I'm sure there is. We know that for sure. I think it's around... Uh I forget the guy. James O'Keefe did the study on this about arterial stiffness associated with aerobic exercise. And it turns out that you do get a lot of diminishing returns with, with like chronic endurance exercise if you exceed about 90 minutes per day of aerobic exercise or about 60 minutes per day of like moderately intense exercise. That's where you start to 
build up, you know, fatigue, arterial stiffness, inflammation, you know, ventricular hypertrophy, a lot of the stuff that dictates that while that might be a good strategy if you're training to do an Ironman or get uber fit, you can't synonymize that with health because there, right. there definitely is a law of diminishing returns. I'm not talking about working out in your yard all day. I'm talking about like, you know, banging out a two hour long treadmill session or, you know, doing a two a day, you know, Airdyne workout for longer than an hour or something like that. So. Yeah, that makes sense. And you said running for 75 minutes a week and then walking for 150. Was that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, yeah. So that's, yeah. that's doable. Uh, back, back to fatigue, though, you know, and staving off fatigue. This was another interesting one that just came out recently. I wanted to highlight it. A coenzyme Q10. You know, it's really cool. You know, it's a central component of the mitochondrial electron transport chains. It's a great antioxidant. You know, it's been it's been studied quite a bit. Uh, but this recent study looked into the effects of coenzyme Q10 for reducing fatigue symptoms. You know, because I was just talking about things like NAD or or creatine for staving off fatigue if you're in a sleep deprived state. Uh, this this one looked at coenzyme Q10 and found that that a daily dose of coenzyme Q10 was associated, uh, and this is a decently large study, about 600 plus participants. It was correlated with with a significant reduction in fatigue, particularly a lot of the things associated with chronic fatigue. And I think that the reason for that, and that what the what the study authors allude to, is the fact that because coenzyme Q10 does such a good job regulating mitochondrial function. And since so much of fatigue is related to poor mitochondrial function, that coenzyme Q10 is just like food and 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 amazing for the mitochondria, which has a direct effect in this case on people who have fatigue or chronic fatigue. This is super duper close to my heart haha, recently because uh, one of the highest sources of coenzyme Q10, the highest that I know of, is heart. Like mm-hmm. literally, just like eating the heart of an animal. I made heart for the family last night. I'm going to put the the recipe out on Instagram soon. But the problem with heart is, like, like with a lot of organ meats, you got to get the gamey flavor out of it, and you got to tenderize it. Right. So last night, I'll, I'll tell you what I did because because you know people should know this because yeah, heart heart's really high. Liver liver is pretty high. Liver is actually very very high. It doesn't even still come near to heart. Fatty fish are pretty high in coenzyme Q10. Some of the fermented soy products, you know, like uh, miso and tempeh, those have decent amounts of them as well. And, you know, nuts and seeds have a little bit. Nothing comes near heart and liver, honestly. So anyways, I soak the heart in buttermilk or kefir for a day. And then I, I rinse it and drain it. And that gets all the gamey flavor off. And then for this one, I, I sous vide the heart at 165. So if you do like a water bath, 165 is a perfect temperature for most organ meats. Really breaks it down nicely, but doesn't get it too tough. And so I, I sous vide it in a in like a heat safe uh, plastic resistance sous vide bag for 12 hours uh, in, a, in a water bath. Then I took it out and I just uh, threw it on the Traeger with uh, a little bit of a rub on it, and I smoked it for about two hours. Uh, took it off and served it up to the family with some. Uh, Primal Kitchen ketchup and ranch dressing uh, over a, a, a bed of sprouts and a little bit of fried zucchini that I made. And oh my gosh, it's so good. Like that's what I'm going to have for lunch. Is Sounds a, pretty a good. Leftover heart. Yeah. Did you take, does it take out the, uh, I guess the tenderizer, does it really help to take out the chewiness? Cause I think that's the mm-hmm. hardest part for a lot of people yeah. is the chewiness. And I found that yeah. like if I m- mince it with like other ground beef, it's a little bit more palatable to me, but eating yeah. it straight up. Um, yeah, yeah. sounds good. Yeah. It's, it's pretty good. Sous vide is the way to go with heart. I've never had better heart than with, a, but you got to be a long time, long time. Yep. Same thing with yeah. uh, pork belly. If you pork belly, you sous vide for like 12 hours. Uh, in this case, at around 155, and then you finish it with the final saute. 
to get it nice and crisp, or you can even just use like a like a torch, like what you'd use for a creme brulee. Oh my goodness. Even an air fryer works. Like we have one of those big old Quasinart air fryers. Those things are so cool because you can get like a fried or like a nice crispy skin type of effect without any of the uh, the oil. So there you have it. Mm, Coenzyme Q10 to the rescue. Try that one out if you deal with uh, with fatigue. Uh, this next one, you know, speaking of creatine, you know, there's all these different forms of creatine out there, right? Like, uh, you know, creatine citrate and malate and ethyl ester and creatine nitrate and creatine pyruvate and, and magnesium creatine chelate. Uh, you know, it, it's crazy. It's crazy. And creatine is really one of the most studied molecules out there for everything from mental performance to staving off muscle loss or with, with age to strength to power. I mean, it's it, to sleep deprivation. I mean, it's an amazing molecule. But the thing is, a lot of people get the wool pulled over their eyes because none of these forms of creatine and this, this latest systematic review in the Journal of Strength Conditioning Research back this up. None of them are superior, despite being much higher priced than basic pure creatine monohydrate. I tell people over and over mm -hmm. again, you don't need anything fancy. Just basic creatine monohydrate powder, not liquid. All right, these energy drink companies who are putting creatine into their liquids, they're stupid because creatine degrades to creatinine within like 24 hours when it's in a liquid medium. Just like, so you, you don't want a premix, you just want a regular old creatine monohydrate powder. And that's that's literally all that you need. And I, I think a lot of people will save a lot of money knowing that. Now, that being said, you still want like high quality creatine monohydrate. I think uh, there, there's this one, so so there's a brand name called Crea Pure. It's made in Germany. And what they do is they supply all these other supplement companies with pure creatine monohydrate, meaning they they manufacture it. They use all raw materials that have no traces of any byproducts in them. They get them all you know tested so it's safe for sports, so you don't become a victim of like a, a doping list. Uh, they're vegan. They're kosher. For what's that worth? If everybody uh, really wants some kosher creatine monohydrate, it exists. It's all vegan based, and so. Yeah, I take five grams of Creapure, literally, uh, year round. Like that that's actually what we use at Keon is is Creapure in our creatine monohydrate. And that's basically it. It's just like pure creatine and it freaking works. But please know that you don't need fancy creatine. I think there's still people who are getting marketed like this super overpriced fancy form of creatine. Then and again, this is like this isn't the first study to show that creatine monohydrate is all that you really need. So just please note that to yourself. If you're buying some overpriced creatine. All you need is creatine monohydrate. Preferably look on the label to make sure it's what's called Crea Pure, and you'll be good. Yeah, there's some great marketers out there, and people they 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 succumb to it, and they end up buying really ex and they buy extremely expensive creatine that doesn't provide them with nearly as great of results as the inexpensive, you know, maybe not so sexy monohydrate. But monohydrate, yeah. especially if you use Creapure, there's a couple advantages that I found um, that not a lot of people talk about. The one that I would say is that like if other forms of creatine, a lot of them just taste like pure ass, like cre like creatine ethyl ester. I took that yeah. back in the day. I don't know if it tastes any better now, but it was awful. Like it was like drinking rocket fuel mixed with like horse piss. It was like hmm. so bad. And uh, But like monohydrate is like basically tasteless. And then Creapure, if you do use that, obviously with Keon's version that I, that I I use daily as well to give a plug for, for, for me, uh, is like it mixes so easily, like, and you can drink it with anything. And like, if I mix it with just about anything, I, I don't even taste the creatine in yeah. there. I don't even know what's in there. Uh, but I, the results are amazing. So yeah, monohydrate for the win again. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. Like if you look at like an ethyl ester form of creatine, 
like if, if you were to get, let's say like a couple pounds of that, it costs you like 40 bucks. If you get a couple pounds of creatine monohydrate, it's like 20 bucks. It's really like That's twice crazy. the cost and it's, and it's no better. If, in fact, it's, it's less better if that's a word so anyways choose your creatine wisely and don't don't uh don't overspend a couple other things i want to mention before we take a few questions from twitter the first is super cool website i found it's called mitavin m-y-t-a-v-i-n so here's what it does you go to this website and it allows you to type in any medication that you're on like amoxicillin or amphetamines or you know statins or anything once you type it in it will pull up all of the different deficiencies from a nutrient standpoint that that particular medication might cause for you. Okay. So let's, let's use like, I'm, I'm going to go, go to this website. So my, my tab, M Y T A V I N. And let's say I type in like, you know, a lot of healthy people don't use a ton of pharmaceuticals. Let's say like metformin, right? A lot of people use metformin. metformin. Yeah. So we type in metformin and it gives us two results. It shows three studies indicating that people who use metformin tend to be deficient in folate, right? And so uh, three studies show that it could be beneficial to supplement with, uh, with folate, like a methyl tetrahydrofolate supplement if you're on metformin. And then 14 studies, it says here, show that metformin causes a deficiency in vitamin B12. Right. So right out, it's super useful because because even if you temporarily, right, let's say a, a doctor puts you on, you know, that that's metformin, obviously. So folate and B12. But let's say your doctor puts you on um, amoxicillin. OK, so amoxicillin turns out when you click on amoxicillin. Oh, hey, it uh, there's, there's one thing that it significantly decreases, and that's the microflora in your gut. It says that, that it decreases lactobacilli with uh with the use of amoxicillin which makes sense because it's an antibiotic but now you know okay so if i take amoxicillin when i finish up my my bout of amoxicillin i should maybe replenish my gut with more lactobacilli and so so that's that's another example let's try okay uh citalopram i think that that is a uh well, it's a little bit more of an antidepressant, but it's also used for relaxation. Okay, so that one causes a, a 47% increase in melatonin suppression. Makes sense. And then also hyponatremia due to uh, salt loss, right? So deficiency in sodium and deficiency in melatonin. So I'm saying those, it's super useful. Just like have this in your back pocket if you got to be on a pharmaceutical because you could know what issues that it might cause and then, uh, and then replenish accordingly. Isn't that cool? No, that's really, that's really cool. I, I'm surprised that this website is kind of just coming around because this yeah. could be quite useful for anybody who just wants to research because everything has a trade-off, right? It doesn't matter what you put in your body. There's some level of trade-off. And especially with pharmacology, we know that side effects are run rampant. Every single yeah. medication, to my knowledge, has some level of side effect and one of them being how they can cause deficiency. So this is a yeah, really cool website that I'm going to I'm not on any medications, but if I ever go on one, I know where to go. ARX is the most efficient and safest form of resistance exercise in the world. All right. This thing is like fighting a giant robot. I have literally cut my weight training down to two sessions of 20 minutes twice a week, and that's it. It has computer-controlled motorized resistance to match your effort in real time for the perfect tension needed, one single set to failure, and boom, you're done. So twice a week, what I'm doing is deadlift horizontal press, which is like a chest press, pull down, squat, the overhead press and the seated row. And that's it. And I'll like bounce around. Sometimes I'll hit the bike a little bit in between my sets, but that's it. I have their version called the Omni. Now the Omni does a whole bunch more exercises in addition to the ones I just named. 
like the Romanian deadlift, the calf raise, the pullover. You can even do like curls and tricep pushdowns and decline press and incline press and hamstring curls. So they remove weights, they remove gravity, fits right in my gym. Again, it's like fighting a giant robot because it has this patented motorized resistance with custom computer software, gives you the world's safest, most effective, most quantified form of resistance training ever. When you train with it, you're trained to your perfect level of resistance, both positively and negatively the whole time. Your muscles get a massive amount of time under tension. The built-in software traction measures every second of every rep. I can set up a special customized profile for my wife, for anybody visiting my house, for my kids, you name it. So if your goals are bigger muscles, better strength, stronger bones, looking good in your clothing, or just basically being harder to kill, ARX does all of that and it just freaking works. It's not gimmicky. This isn't one of those like done for you things. Yeah, there's some there's some sweat and tears involved, but oh my gosh, it is like the best workout ever. So check them out at arxfit.com slash Ben. A lot of gyms, like personal training studios, will have these in their gym. They're not inexpensive. People who are like biohackers, who are time hackers, who know that time is priceless and just want to build a lot of strength in a very short period of time, own this. It is top of the totem pole now for me for strength training. So you got to check this thing out. The ARX Fit. Go to arxfit.com slash Ben. It's time to start hacking your sleep. Big part of that is choosing the right mattress for your desired outcomes. And Essentia is the company that I now use for my mattress. It's organic. They have a patented beyond latex organic foam technology. You may have heard me interview the founder, Jack. You can find that interview over at bengreenfieldlife.com. The deep sleep cycles, the REM sleep cycles, the cooling, even the EMF blocking technology. They have introduced this EMF barrier foam technology that protects your body against the negative impacts of EMF exposure so your nervous system repairs while you sleep. They've actually done dark film microscopy studies on the red blood cells reaction to sleeping on this thing. It allows those cells to return to their natural free-flowing state. So you get optimized oxygen flowing through your body during the entire night of sleep. There's even like this special profile you can fill out online that can customize your mattress to your sleep type. So my wife's side is different than my side because we sleep on the big old California King. They have not just the mattress, they have pillows, they have frames, they have everything you would need for the best night of sleep ever. I would gladly pay let's say 20 bucks a night for an amazing night of sleep. This thing pays for itself pretty quickly. It's allergen-free, packed technology that gives you the active cooling, accelerated recovery, and unmatched deep sleep cycles with no funky electricity churning into your body while you're asleep. They're gonna give you 100 bucks off your mattress purchase. You go to myessentia.com slash Ben Greenfield. That's myessentia.com slash Ben Greenfield, and you can be sleeping on the same mattress that I am now using, and I absolutely love it. So you probably know that your body is mostly water, but your body is also 50% amino acids, which are the building blocks of life and proteins and are essential for health and fitness. So no matter what you do or how you like to move or whatever you do to stay fit, amino acids are hyper essential. And that's why this stuff called Keon Aminos is like my Swiss Army knife for supplementation. I drink them or just dump the powder straight into my mouth because I'm weird like that every day for energy, for muscle, for recovery from hungry. I have a scoop and they just, they crush appetite. Amazing for supporting sleep. Even if you haven't had a big dinner, uh, they help to support muscle gain and weight loss. I mean, over 20 years of clinical research behind these aminos. 
They got the highest quality ingredients, no fillers, no junk, rigorous quality testing. They taste amazing with all natural flavors. So if you want to naturally boost energy, build lean muscle, enhance athletic recovery, the list goes on and on. That's why I call them the Swiss Army Knife. You got to get Keon Aminos. You can get 20% off of monthly deliveries and 10% off of any one-time purchase if you use my code. And it's super simple. GetKeon.com slash Ben Greenfield. That's GetKeon.com slash Ben Greenfield. And that'll get you hooked up with my fundamental supplement for fitness, Keon Aminos. Have you ever heard of uh, pharmacogenomic testing? I have not, no. I've, I've gotten this done before. I forget the company I went to. You, you could just Google pharmacogenomic testing and probably find it. I, I think it's, uh, what's, what's the lab company? Uh, LabCorp. LabCorp would, would be able to list on their website where you could get this. But I did one. I forgot where I got it. Uh, gosh, I wish I could remember. Maybe I'll find it and put it in the show notes. If you go to uh, Ben Greenfield Life slash uh, 448, I'll, I'll hunt it down. But what it's tells you is your genetic propensity to be a responder or a non-responder to a host of different uh, pharmaceutical medications or, or you know very very similar to this other website we were just talking about but basically it talks about how different medications would impact you meaning they would be uh, deleterious for you you'd be a responder a non-responder etc oh here's my report it's called get my DNA get my DNA. It's called a pharmacogenetic report. And you literally get this giant list of, oh, well, maybe this medication is really good for people for a certain condition. Like let's say uh, anti-ADHD drug or an anti-convulsant or whatever. But for you, it might cause this type of side effect. Like uh, for example, if I ever had to be put on an antidepressant, I'm just randomly choosing that. It shows that I actually am, am basically a non-responder to like almost every single one listed, but then it says the alternative that my body would be really, really responsive to is called Effexor, Venlafaxine, right? So it's really interesting. And again, like I'm not, I'm not sold on using a lot of pharmaceuticals, but, you know, armed with the data from something like uh, that website we were just talking about, the Myvastatin with uh, like a pharmacogenetic test, such as the one from uh, Get My DNA, you can learn a lot. So pretty cool. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. All right. Let's, let's go over one, one other before we turn it over to some Twitter questions. And that's, um, thyroid, my friend, Dr. Michael Ruscio, who has a podcast on, on thyroid health and gut health. He's a real expert in those areas. He just, uh, sent me a text a few days ago. Cause he, he published in an open access journal. Uh, I believe the journal was called nutrients. The relationship that he had found, the very significant relationship between gastrointestinal health, micronutrient contents, and autoimmunity. Essentially, what this paper gets into is the fact that there are a ton of misdiagnosed thyroid problems that are really related to gut dysfunction. And that's because there are select micronutrients and vitamins and minerals that are essential for optimal thyroid function. Okay, some some of the bigs would be like iodine, selenium, vitamin D, um, iron, vitamin B12, zinc, magnesium. Another one that kind of flies on the radar called uh, inositol. And any of those in deficiency or occasionally in excess can actually cause uh, deleterious uh, thyroid metabolism or, uh, you know, uh, kind of like a hypo thyroid condition in most cases. Well, it turns out that some of the best ways to deplete these type of, of thyroid support compounds or nutrients that would be found in the body are gastritis, irritable bowel syndrome or SIBO, inflammatory bowel disease, celiac disease, 
overuse of proton pump inhibitors or antiacids and pancreatic insufficiencies like digestive enzyme insufficiencies. And so what Michael writes about in this paper is that there are certain GI therapies that have been proven to increase nutrient absorption. Uh, namely, the ones that he lists are probiotics, uh, an elemental diet, which you can look up, but that's basically a pre-digested protein and carbohydrate powder that gets absorbed very rapidly in the small intestine, which can help out a ton in people who have like, say, Crohn's or irritable bowel, even if it's like a short-term administration of that diet. Immunoglobulins, right? This is like what you'd find in colostrum or some of these compounds that that have these uh, these, these helpful immunoglobulin protein isolates. And when you take care of the gut with probiotics, something like an elemental diet and something like immunoglobulins, what happens is you get the nutrient absorption of some of these nutrients that are missing in thyroid problems like vitamin B12 and zinc and magnesium and iron, et cetera. And you see a restoration of, of, of thyroid function without getting on thyroid meds, but by instead paying attention to the fact that hypothyroidism is often incorrectly diagnosed or overdiagnosed when in fact GI dysfunction is what's at play. Like GI dysfunction, uh, Michael writes, is like 45 times more common than hypothyroidism. So if you have thyroid issues and you haven't really gone hardcore after repairing the gut and replenishing the gut, it's definitely something you should you should look into doing because and this this paper just like really spells it out quite well that if you have thyroid issues, go to the gut, which is very interesting too, because that has weight loss implications, right? Because if you have hypothyroidism, you have a lowered metabolism and a lot of people will say, okay, well, I need to get on a thyroid or I need to you know, exercise more, speed up my metabolism somehow, when in fact they may want to also, or instead just try probiotics, an elemental diet and or immunoglobulin therapy. And that might be with the thyroid needs rather than just taking a bunch of, of thyroid med or, or thyroid precursors. Make sense? Yeah, I find it just so fascinating that with the advances in research in this area, we are coming to find that overall gut health just either mediates or moderates like so much within our physiology. And if it is left unattended, then we're leaving a ton on the table. We might even be missing kind of the point completely. So this is kind of just yet another study that, yes, it, it's helpful for those who have suspected thyroid dysfunction, but also just in general everybody has a thyroid, but also everybody has gut microbiome. And it's just incredibly valuable, if not just imperative for us to ensure that we are doing what we can to really foster a healthy environment there. So yeah, great study. Yeah, I think it's fantastic. Uh, very good information to know. So I'll link to those studies at, at uh, bengreenfieldlife.com slash 448. And now's the exciting time. Well, it was already exciting with the 800 milligrams of caffeine circulating through my bloodstream. It's about to get me more exciting because we're going to bring on uh, some questions from Twitter. So here's how it works. If you have a question and you're in the Twitter spaces right now, go ahead and raise your hand and uh, I'll select you. I'll, I'll bring you up and you can ask your question. So who has a question that they would like answered? We've got Iamon. All right, Iamon, go ahead. Go ahead with your question. Hi, Ben. Thanks for taking my question. I was just wondering about motivation in your life. What still motivates you? Do you find it still very important to find motivation? And how do you cultivate it? Look, I don't, I don't want to kick the horse to death, but a big, big part of motivation, you know, what in Okinawa would be called like your ikigai, a reason for getting out of bed in the morning, or in Italy, your plan the vita is indeed having a purpose statement for your life, right? Like developing a purpose statement based on 
what makes time go by quickly for you, what you enjoyed doing when you were a kid, what puts a big smile on your face now, what kind of things you're, you're good at that seem like they just come easily to you, even if they're hard for other people. Uh, there's even books like uh, the company slow.co, S-L-O-W-W.co has an Ikigai 2.0, amazing workbook to kind of learn a little bit more about what you're good at, what you're passionate about, what your purpose is. And you know, that, that, that's incredible for motivation to have that purpose statement, to have that, that why, you know, I, I might be preaching to the choir because I think a lot of people are aware of this, but you know, I, I think that in addition to that, let's say you have your purpose statement it's a single succinct purpose statement that you've memorized and that they can get you, get you out of bed in the morning. You know, there's also biochemical components that are associated with motivation, particularly dopamine right? Dopamine is more than just say like a feel good neurotransmitter. It's actually something that can be incredibly motivating. And, and if you're deficient in dopamine because you've been overstimulating or, you know, you can read a look, book like what's it called? Dopamine Nation about this, that you haven't really fasted from dopamine enough. It can really inhibit motivation. You know, and there are ways to boost dopamine levels. You know, some, some are more, I guess, uh, straightforward, like getting a good night's sleep or working out or, or listening to music. But there are even supplements, you know, like like um, Akuna Dopa or the company uh, Newtopia has one called Dopa Drops. And sometimes if you elevate dopamine with something like that, you can be incredibly motivated. You can also lower the rate at which dopamine is degraded in the synaptic cleft with, with uh, some of these nootropics or smart drugs, even like that uh, anybody who's taken that modafinil that I talked about earlier, that ProVigil knows like you'll go the whole day just like checking stuff off a checklist without stopping like a freaking semi truck, you know, flying down the highway. Uh, it's, it's almost too much dopamine. You kind of kind of crash afterwards. But, you know, there, there's a definite uh, biochemical component to motivation. And then I would say, honestly, you know, in addition to something like neurotransmitter repletion, like there's nothing to amp up and flood your body with dopamine, in my opinion, like the post cold bath or post cold soak effect that you get. And I mean, in terms of, of just like flipping the brain circuit for motivation almost instantly, there's nothing quite like a cold bath, in my opinion, even though there are other ways to increase dopamine. That's that's definitely something to pay attention to. And I suppose one last thing I should mention is that the mere act of having a checklist or having a calendar or having things written down and then rewarding yourself by having checked off those things from the list is an automatic dopamine trigger in and of itself. So checklists and checking things off a checklist can be a really, really good way to keep yourself motivated. And, and uh, you know, you keep coming back to it each day and, and finishing little pieces here and there. And that can be, that can be incredible for motivation as well. Those, those are just a few random things that come to mind. Uh, of course, Jay, you're a, you're a, you're the brain expert. You got anything you would add? For sure. So, you know, as a psychologist, the thing that I have spent most of my life doing is helping people find what is it that motivates them, what helps them get out of bed, what is the thing that is going to really be the purpose behind why we would change. There's something I posted on Instagram or in Twitter pretty recently where I said, like a lot of us in the health and wellness space, we say that we want longevity. We're doing all of this for health and wellness reasons, but mostly because we want longevity to live a longer life. And I think that's actually not the best question 
question to ask. I think the best question to ask is why do you want longevity? And I think we should ask why until we cannot ask why anymore. Well, maybe I want longevity because I want to live a life of, of value, of meaning, and of purpose. So I, I think that that's a better response than I just want longevity. But for yeah. me, when it comes to motivation, like I, I have two things that I wanted to highlight. One would be my favorite quote um, in the entire world, and it's from Marcus Aurelius. So Stoic philosopher, uh, you know, led the Romans. And uh, he said uh, here, there was a, a term from, from the, the Stoics use, but also there's just a, a term in philosophy called memento more. Remember that you're mortal. And the quote is, is that you could leave life right now. Let that determine what you do, what you say, and what you think. And this is a moment for us to think about how short life is. And that for me is the primary motivator. I know that life is short. I do not have, I, I have a number of breaths on this earth yeah. and it could be the one that I take in just a second. Uh, and so because if I live a life uh, with that in the back of my mind, I'm going to stay motivated to keep going because the next moment could be a moment that I leave this earth. It could be the next moment that my kids leave this earth, that my wife leave this, leaves this earth. And it's very sad to think about, but it's also very motivating because I want to cherish every single possible moment that I have. And so I use that as my primary motivator. The yeah. other thing, Ben, that I love that you talked about was that mission statement. And one of my favorite books of all time is by a guy named Simon Sinek. It's Start With Why. And it is really helping us to identify, like, what is our why in life? Like, what do we want our contribution to be in life? And how do we want that to impact ourselves, our family, and others? And the way he kind of helps guide people through that book is to develop that, what you said, Ben, mission statement. So mine is, is I'm here on earth to help guide others to find daily contentment so that they can live a life of joy, peace, and hope. And that is why I created Hanu. That is what I, why I'm a psychologist. Like I want people to find just daily contentment so that they experience what true joy is, what true peace, and yeah. just have hope in regards to their overall mental well-being. So I think that that's a huge piece of motivation is waking up every single morning and reciting to yourself what your mission statement is. What is your purpose statement? What is your value statement? And then let that guide you. So I know that was yeah. a mouthful, but I think that that is, is just a powerful way to start. Remember that you're going to die. <laughs> and then also remember that like every day has to be congruent. You have to live a life that is congruent with your why statement. Yeah. Related to the death piece, by the way, I, I don't know if you saw this. I recently posted to Instagram, but I used that nifty app called face app and I took a picture of myself. Oh, I did I, see that. And then I, I made myself look old. Folks go check it out if you want to. It's a, it, it should be one of the recent photos at Instagram.com slash Ben Greenfield Fitness. But I did this and I, and then I, I printed it at Kinko's on canvas. And the old me, I'm looking at it right now, the old me is like hanging on my office wall. So when I look at that, it reminds me like time is finite. You got to have priorities. You, you can't just do everything in life. You got to pick those things that are going to be the most impactful they're going to allow you to love other people the most. They're going to allow you to, to really pursue your passions in a way that that you know uh, is, is going to leave this world a better place and, and you know leave you on a deathbed with no regrets. But man, having that photo is super impactful. And the other thing that we've done is you know, we have a playbook for the Greenfield family, and I'll, I'll link to my podcast with them in the show notes. But if you go listen to my podcast with Rich Christensen, we get into how to have a playbook for your family, how to create legacy, a family constitution, a family trust, a family bank. But within that playbook, we have the entire Greenfield family's uh, end-of-life directives. E each of us, even my 14-year-old sons, they've written out their entire memorial service, their funeral, 
uh, their their deathbed moments, their end of life directives. Uh, you know what they want to do if they if they wind up in the hospital. Just everything is in there, along with uh, my wife's directives and my directives. So we have this practice of just basically thinking of our death, writing our obituary. You know, having old photos of ourselves around, and that may seem disappointing and depressing if you look at it the wrong way, but really it's empowering once you realize, oh hey, you know, even you know, like I'm I'm a Christian. I believe I'm going to live forever. You know, in a new heaven and new earth and a new body, but at the same time. For, for this life right here, man, reminding myself of, of my own death, at least my, my death of this body that I'm in right now, it's incredibly motivating. So yeah, you're it's, right. You're it's right, so Jay. Memento Mori piece yeah. is, is pretty pretty important. Yeah. There's an interesting bin, a Japanese practice. Um, I forgot what it was called. Michael Easter wrote about it in his book, The Comfort Practice. But basically, the ja a lot of Japanese will meditate um, like all day, like basically uh, on their death. And it sounds so depressing. But for these individuals, they talk about just how yeah. incredibly motivating and how passionate they become when they realize and remind themselves, like, listen, like this thing right now sucks, this obstacle or this barrier that's in front of me is really difficult, uh, but I'm going to use it to help me to grow. I'm going to use it because I know that if I let it tear me down, I am taking you know, all this precious time away from my life. And the last thing that I want is to be on my deathbed whenever that comes, whether it's on the next breath or it's, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60 plus years down the road. I don't want to sit there and have that regret that I spent all of this time and wasted on things that really were not fruitful, were not powerful for my life. So I think it's just an incredibly viable thing that if people are not doing that, meditate on death. It sounds weird, but I think you'll find benefit and growth in that area. Yep. Yep. I agree. It's called a mar Maranasati, the that's right. mindfulness that's of death, yeah. the Buddhist. It's Buddhist, but I think it's also Japanese. So yeah, that's awesome. All right, well, let's go ahead and uh, let's, let's, let's take another, uh, let's take another uh, question asker. If you want to raise your hand, I'll bring you up on stage here on Twitter spaces and you can ask your question. Who do we got? Live Q&A. Just like the old-timey radio shows. We've got Valdez, Val, Valdez Tita, and I'm going to add you as a speaker, Valdez, in just a moment. I'm going to bring your audio up. All right, go ahead. What you got for us, Valdez? Hi, Ben. Hi, Dr. J. Gosh, where do I start? I, I think I've followed you, Ben, for quite a while now. Really impressed by just all the work you do and just your commitment to just health in the health and wellness space. I read your article a few weeks ago about what kinds of supplements people should take and sort of the necessity of supplements. You highlighted a number of supplements and you highlighted how chaotic it can be for <laughs> wannabe biohackers like me or other people in my area who want to like optimize everything down to the T in terms of like what to take, when to take, and just managing all these bottles and cabinets. And um, I know you recommend a number of supplements, but I think there's still a challenge. Like I wanted to know how do you sort of manage sort of not only like how much you're spending on supplements, how much you're taking, how they're interacting with each other. Like you like visually see all the things you use and sort of understand sort of the history and like sort of track your progress based across all these supplements that you're using. So I'm just curious. And Dr. J, feel free to take this as well. I think everyone takes supplements. So I'm curious, just really how do you manage yourself and the supplements and your intake? There's nobody I've ever seen that doesn't benefit from, like, say, well, if I could name three, creatine, magnesium, and a good fish oil. And, and the data behind those three is incredible. So there are certain supplements where I'm just like, yeah, for insurance, just take the ones that are really well studied, can't go wrong. And then, namely the top three for those would be creatine, magnesium, fish oil. And, you know, if you're not eating enough protein, you could probably throw essential amino acids in the mix. 
everything else to go straight to the meat of your question, I test, right? Like not only do I track on a daily basis, my heart rate variability and my sleep scores, but then I do a blood test at least four times a year. I do a gut panel at least once a year. I do a salivary hormone panel at least once a year. I do a genetic test, you know, just like once in a lifetime. I do a, a, a urine test for hormones about once a year. And uh, those are a few of the biggies and like a micronutrient evaluation called a, a NutriVal uh, once a year. And so I test what I'm low in, I replenish. This is, this is the same thing I do for all my clients, right? Anybody comes into me to be coached and who wants actual nutrition and supplementation help, or help we do a ton of, of testing beforehand to customize what the nutrition supplementation program should look like. There are certain supplements that you're not going to show as you know, like deficient in, uh, but that are kind of related to issues that you might have. Like, let's say you test with high blood glucose and high hemoglobin A1C, you know, indicating you have some amount of glycemic variability. Well, your test isn't necessarily going to say, oh, you're deficient in Ceylon cinnamon, or you're deficient in apple cider vinegar, you're deficient in bitter melon extract or something like that, or berberine. But yet we know, okay, this is the supplement that's going to help to cover those bases. You know, the same might be said for testosterone. You test low in testosterone, and typically that doesn't mean that you go take testosterone. Instead, it means, oh, well, we got to look at zinc. We got to look at boron. We got to look at magnesium. We got to look at creatine. We got to look at DHEA. We got to look at minerals and some of these, these factors that, you know, kind of similar to thyroid dysfunction that I was talking about earlier would be things to look into replenishing from a testosterone standpoint. So, I mean, like, I think too many people waste way too much money on supplements. There's, you know, some people probably have an extra, let's say $200 per month of supplements they're taking that they don't really even need to take because they weren't willing to fork over the cash for $1,000 in testing that if you do the math, you know, over the course of five months, you've already wasted uh, via spending money on unnecessary supplements, what you would have spent on one test that would tell you like for the next year or longer, what kind of supplements you should be taking. So that that's my approach. It's just very data-driven. And uh, and then that's paired with a few things that I just know everybody benefit from. You know, And then again, like that's primarily creatine and magnesium and fish oil and probably essential amino acids. So I don't know, what, what would you add, Jay? My approach is very, very similar to yours. I love the point that you make. Uh, I never thought about it that way, but it's uh, it's a very valuable point that a lot of people will complain about the price that it costs uh, to, you know, do a NutriSense, uh, not a NutriSense, what's that, NutriVal, or do uh, one of the, you know, tests that looks for these deficiencies or looks to see how you might could supplement to help optimize health and well-being, um, yet <laughs> they'll go out and just drop an exorbitant amount each month that compiles or compounds and adds up. Um, so I really like your point there. Yeah, testing is key. I tend to be a very much a minimalist when it comes to supplements. It's funny, Ben, I take the three that you just mentioned, magnesium, um, I take uh, omega-3s, and then I will take creatine. But the one that I add on, uh, which is kind of like, I would I would say limited in the summer, more in the winter would be uh, vitamin D3. That's like the only additional one that I added on to there. But other than that, like there's some things that I'll cycle in and out of, uh, like, you know, for maybe we're helping to optimize sleep or I'm going through a struggle, you know, with that. But I just tend to rotate a lot as well. Uh, the, the There's like the four staples basically, but then I'll rotate stuff in and out. But testing is key here. I think that, you know, it's the supplement industry. It's very easy to get caught up in all the sexy marketing and ads saying that they can help with this, that. 
this and that and that they have all of these studies. And maybe that is the case, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you need it right now. So I think that testing is is imperative and, you know, not just kind of buying everything under the sun and taking it always until, you know, you have a complete medicine cabinet that's, you know, a thousand bucks a month even because I've heard, you know, people going pretty nuts with this stuff. Uh, it's just best to, to spend a little bit more money up front, test it out and then take it from there. Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, we crushed that one. Let's do one more question. Let's do one more question. So, uh, Jill, we're going to add you. And Jill, go ahead and ask your question. Hey, thanks so much. My question is, um, I'm a pretty pretty skinny guy, uh, around 140, uh, 145. And trying to implement the strategies uh, you talk about, Ben, I find it very hard to get enough protein. I really want to grow lean muscle. And, uh, but still stay healthy and, you know, all the longevity stuff still very important to me. And I find there's like, uh, so my question is what's the right balance between getting enough protein, uh, and doing stuff like intermediate fasting. Is there, is there a cost of, of getting this lean muscle in, uh, on the account of longevity? Cause you know, taking into account that you can only absorb, right? Like, like 40 grams of protein in a meal. So, yeah, about 40. so trying to do it in two big meals. It's like it's probably not enough. Should I do like three, four meals, and then does it does it cost on, on longevity? That's kind of like what I'm trying to figure out the balance. Thank you. When, when you look at muscle maintenance and the association between maintenance of lean muscle and longevity, I think many of the people who are restricting protein as a longevity hack are a missing out on much of the goodness of life that would be associated with say grass-fed steak or bone-in pork chops or nice roasted chicken. Uh, but then they're also basically winding up frail and like, you know, pardon the expression, like easy to kill and fragile with age because of the protein restriction. Like you have that one element of the long-lived person who's cold and hungry and libidoless. And then you have the other long-lived person who's just like big and buff and not like hyper buff, like a bodybuilder. Cause that's a lot of extra muscle to carry and to cool, but who does have, you know, a decent amount of strength and grip strength and, and rugged power and, and functional fitness. And, and I would much, much rather see someone eat adequate amounts of protein, not engage in excessive fasting and lift heavy things than restrict calories, restrict protein and have a little bit more of like a, I don't know, like a Gandhi approach to living a long time. I just would, would rather be very robust and strong as I age personally. And, and so because of that, you know, I eat, even if it's a low protein day, I get 0 0.5 to 0 0.6 grams of protein per pound of body weight. Now, the thing is people who do accept the fact that protein and muscle is good for you often overdo it. They don't realize that you top out about 0 0.8 grams per pound for benefit. Even though I know a lot of people are doing like one gram plus a pound. There's a few fringe bodybuilding studies that have shown if you're like living in a gym, you can do pretty well by amping up protein intake a little bit above that 0 0.8 grams per pound. For the average person, most people, 0 0.55 to 0 0.8 grams per pound of protein works. Now the absorption issue, if you're doing like intermittent fasting or two a day, can become an issue because that might top you off as, as you as you noted, Jill, at like 80 grams of protein if you can only absorb 40 grams at a time. And if you're looking at, let's say, trying to get 0 0.8 grams per pound, well, in a case like that, then 80 grams, you know, let, let, let's see you weigh, um, I don't know, like uh, 180 pounds and, and you find out that you, you should be ideally getting, I don't know, let's say about uh, 120 grams a day of protein. Well, two 40 gram protein feedings leave you with 40 grams to catch up on. 
That's where you can throw in more digestible, absorbable forms of protein during other times of the day, like collagen, uh, and probably the top two would be collagen and essential amino acids, right? And so a lot of times if I haven't reached my protein allotment for the day and I know I'm kind of low on protein, I know, hey, Ben, I'm aging. I want to I want to stave off muscle loss. I'll, I'll do like a few scoops of, of Keon aminos, for example, or I'll have something collagenous, you know, like a few scoops of gelatin or collagen or, you know, some of my homemade gelatin infused jello that I make. And, you know, I'll include a recipe for that in the in the show notes. But basically uh, I am I, I am of, of the, of the persuasion that yeah, excessive protein restriction while being a longevity hack can result in enough muscle loss and loss in grip strength and a host of other factors associated with longevity to where it might not be the best way to extend lifespan versus lifting weights and eating adequate amounts of protein. I think the people who make the mistake are the people who eat a bunch of protein and don't move enough or don't lift enough, right? And that would be the person, I don't know, like the sedent, somewhat sedentary executive following an Atkins diet, right? And eating protein, protein, protein all day long, but not really exercising or converting it, so to speak, in, in the muscle. So anyways, uh, I don't know, you got anything to add, Jay? No, nah, man, I think you covered that one pretty well. Yeah, well, well, thank you. That was, uh, that was, that was great. Yeah, I I uh, I appreciate all of your your contribution, especially your, your brevity there, Jay. It's, I'm working hard today, working on working on eating the steak. I think we should probably we should probably pull it there because we actually covered it. a few additional questions. I really appreciate everybody on on Twitter and the questions that you've asked. And and again, you can uh, access all the show notes at bengreenfieldlife.com/slash four forty eight. We like to give out something nice to those of you who have left a cool review. Uh, anywhere podcasts are found or where you find this podcast, if you leave a rating, if you leave a review, it helps out the podcast tremendously. And I, I love to see those reviews come in. Speaking of motivation, it helps keep me motivation when I see your comments and your reviews and your feedback. And so this is the time on the show when we give something away by reading one of the top reviews of the past couple weeks. And if you hear your review read, just email me your t-shirt size. Email gear at bengreenfieldlife.com and I'll get a cool little gift pack out to you. So, uh, Jay, you want to take this one away with this week's review? Yes, sir. Got one. So this comes from Conscious Marketing and PR. I'm giving you some marketing and PR right now. Conscious Marketing and PR. Yeah. They did a business uh, promo in there. <laughs> that's, that's probably what they did. They're like, man, maybe I'll get on and read it. And there we go. But uh, they, they labeled this review highly insightful and says, listening to this podcast, you always take away valuable nuggets from each episode. I appreciate the variety of the content. So thank you very much for your review. Hmm, I like that. Yeah, pithy, pithy and potent. Kind of like your thoughts on protein, Jay. That's pithy, right. Pithy I, li- but I like effective. the way you think conscious marketing and Highly PR. Effective. Conscious marketing and PR.com.org. Call 800 conscious marketing. Anyways, email gear at bengreenfieldlife.com, Mr. Conscious Marketing or Mrs. Conscious Marketing, and we'll get a handy-dandy gear pack out to you. In the meantime, for everybody else, thank you so much for listening in. Thank you for all your questions, for those of you on Twitter Spaces. We love you. Doing these live are always fun. And uh, Jay, until next time, I'll see you on the flip side. See you next time, bud. More than ever these days, people like you and me need a fresh, entertaining, well-informed, and often outside-the-box approach to discovering the health and happiness and hope that we all crave. So I hope I've been able to do that for you on this episode today. And if you liked it, or if you love what I'm up to, then please leave me a review on your preferred podcast listening channel, wherever that might be, and just find the Ben Greenfield Life episode. Say something nice. Thanks so much. It means a lot.